Third Eye. Welcome to Third Eye. Today, we're joined by Laserbeak and Elon Blanc, who work together to make a magical team of lyrically gifted musician businessmen. Hey, Elon, how's it going? Hey, Nick. Hi, everybody. It is really nice to see you guys. And I really love your shirt, Beak. That's an excellent, uh, I don't see many Twin City shirts. It's a Twin Cities tease, uh, which is the the people that make all of our Doomtree merch. And because of that, I get all of their t-shirts for free, and you'll always know when it's laundry day. Um, <laughs> I'm wearing one of these. Is it sad that when Nick was like, oh, I haven't seen very many of those, my first thought is Nick needs to get out more. <laughs> <laughs> I was wearing mine yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, Nick, you got an excuse. It's been a, over a year of a, a global pandemic. So you'll, you'll get out there. We got to ease into it. I have at least two of them in my uh, sleep drawer. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Love it. Thank you. Uh, so if it's all right with you, can we, can we jump in? Let's do it. Okay. Oh, great. And I should mention, we're really excited. Uh, uh, Michael Brumfield is a student of ours, and he volunteered to edit this for us. Oh, it's the first time one of our students is editing, and uh, uh, it's all because we heard him do some audio editing a little while ago, and it was exceptional. I, 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 I told Nick that uh, he's going to raise the bar because his editing is so skilled that uh, <laughs> that now uh -oh. Nick Nick is going to have to improve his game. Pressure's on. Okay, well, shout out Mike Brumfeld, or Mike could just do this for the rest of his life, and you don't ever have to edit the audio again, Nick. You know, that's kind of a hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, speaking of building that community, the big reason we wanted to, to talk to you guys was that conversation that we had a while ago around how to build a community, and you gave a lot of great tips on how to talk to people, uh, write handwritten thank you notes, uh, make sure that you kind of rotate back and, and make sure people don't forget about you and, and keep that community building. And I kept thinking about that conversation and its application to education. Um, mm -hmm because we, number one, really need to have a strong community and education to make people feel comfortable, safe, and learning. Uh, and number two, it's a skill that we don't often teach to our students. And we're wondering, you know, how did you develop this skill and how would you maybe help others to develop that skill? It's a, a really great question. Elon, do you mind if I just hop in there and then you can- I, I was gonna ask if you maybe would. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so maybe I quick give you just a little bit of background, Nick, about like my, my upbringing in life. Um, but I'm basically, for those that don't know, I am a, a music producer. I've been making music most of my life, 25, 30 years now. Um, I'm nearing 40 and, and, you know, as a young person, the dream was to be a rock star and, you know, all the, all the things that come with that. And then, you know real life kicks in and I have kids and blah, blah, blah. And I can't just uh, be on tour for nine months out of the year. And so I've, I've slowly pivoted my whole life into more of the behind the scenes um, music business side of things, which is, you know, managing artists, running a record label, working with booking agents, working with distributors, the kind of like less sexy parts of the rock star fantasy. Uh, <laughs> but it's allowed me one to like, you know, fail a lot and learn from those failings and try again, fail some more and keep trying. Um, but it's also allowed me to keep one foot in the kind of creative, inspirational, passion side of music um, while learning a ton of stuff that I never <laughs> thought I would have the opportunity to learn, kind of in like a trial by fire scenario over the last 25 years. Um, so 
a lot of the things that I'm going to at least talk about today are going to be just things that have worked for me as I've slowly figured out my path. And I've, you know, I've spent 25 years also like really questioning whether I'm even qualified to speak on things like this, because it's still I've always said fake it till you make it. And I feel like, you know, you're just always I'm always faking it. But it's it's like, all of a sudden, you wake up and you're like, Oh, I'm 25 years in, I actually know what I'm talking about. And so I'm starting to feel that confidence. But to get back to your original question, I don't know, I, I really think like so many, regardless of the industry, so much of life boils down to like, being a compassionate, empathetic, considerate human being and taking other people into account, at least trying to, uh, and trying to break out of that pattern of slow, of only kind of being in your own mind and thinking of yourself and trying to get the most of what you can get out of people and relationships and opportunities. Nothing wrong with being opportunistic. I would say that that is one of probably the top things that I am. But finding creative ways to like create a win-win is like my, I wake up thinking about that every morning. Like, how can this benefit others while also benefiting me? I'm not going to say I'm, you know, I'm not completely unselfish in this, but there is a sweet spot and I've experienced it where you get something amazing, someone else gets something amazing. And because both those things happen, there's almost like a, a triangle is created and there's like a third win involved because then everyone feels really good about how it happened. So, you know, God, I could talk to you guys. These are, this is like a 10 part series, I feel like, but ultimately we won't say no. <laughs> For me, some of the like little, just like little tidbits of things that I've really clung to um, over the years and that I've also, you know, taken notes on and learned from whether it's mentors or people I've seen that have had more experience than me, you know, people that I've worked with where I've felt really treated very well and, uh, and I, it sticks with me and I think, oh, how can I implement that into my, you know, day to day life? One of the things is just appreciation. And so to like foster appreciation, you have to work at it you have to exercise just like a muscle. And for me, that starts with doing a gratitude journal every night. So for the last probably four years, I have I have an app. Of course, there's an app for that. Um, but you know, it pings me at nine o'clock every night, which is one, a good reminder that I probably shouldn't stay up for another six hours. And two, um, you know, it, it literally takes at this point, 10 seconds. I open my phone up and I write the first three things that come to my head. And it is not this huge philosophical idea of, you know, oh, I'm grateful for the, the air that the trees produce, or I'm grateful for my great grandfather who sacrificed his life or whatever. Uh, a lot of times it's like, man, I had a slice of cherry pie for lunch. It was incredible. Or, you know, oh, I just watched like a dumb, funny show on Netflix. Or, you know, a lot of times it's Elon who's on this call with us because he's like, a crusher and a co-worker and, and I'm thankful for the work he does by my side and then it just banks it but that they really there is actual science behind the idea of if you do something like that for 30 days and you get yourself in that habit you are actually kind of rewiring um, some of the connections in your brain to be looking for the good in life instead of focusing on the negative and I really think that in, in all the things I've tried over the last five or six years of kind of like my mental health journey mindfulness journey that is really one it's I would say it's the by far the easiest takes the least amount of time and has the biggest impact for zero dollars that I've experienced to date. So I think it starts there. Now, obviously, how do you, you know, so getting your kids also to understand appreciation. Um, and, and you know what, the 
when it works the best is on the days where it doesn't just pop into my head. And I know I still have to think of something because it actually rocks me out of the kind of hole I've dug for myself that day. And it might take me a minute sometimes and I might poo-poo it and like, oh, today sucks. There's nothing I'm grateful for. And then all of a sudden, you know, sometimes it's thinking about what I have versus what others in the world have or you know, I look out the window and I'm like, oh yeah, it is really actually sunny and awesome out. Or, you know, I can, and that really helps like that when it's the hardest, it's actually the most helpful, I think. Um, so God, you're going to have to reel me back in here. Cause I'll just go. <laughs> let me, uh, let me, let me paraphrase back a few things that I think, uh, uh, uh educators in particular might appreciate. Uh, the first thing you said is that you have a growth mindset. Uh, Carol Dweck talks about making sure that you are kind of process-oriented in your feedback, including to yourself, and to be okay with failure, trying things. And that was very early on in what you were saying. Uh, and then you talked about observing others and, and what worked for them, which Richard DeFore built a whole professional learning community structure around an education, watch what others do and where they're successful and compare your data with mentors who showed appreciation to build their uh, communities. And then you, you pivoted to mental health, which I think, wow, what a perfect time to talk about that in education or the world in general. I love that it's research-based. And uh, do you have, what's the name of the app, by the way, that you use? It's just, it's by, it's made by this South Dakotan woman. I think it is literally just called the Gratitude app or the Gratitude Journal. It has a little like cartoon Buddha and it was like $3. And, and the beauty of it is that it basically records the things that you type in there. And so now on any given day, I can go all the way back five years and see my first entry so on in a way that I used to use my Instagram feed as like almost like going back through a scrapbook I can go back through the gratitude journal when I'm feeling depressed or out of it and say oh yeah look at all these things look at these thousands and thousands of things that that have made my life better. One thing you were talking about, Beek, uh, with the Gratitude Journal reminded me of some of the the work that educators have been doing with Amit Sood. I don't know if you're familiar with him at the Mayo Clinic, and um, he he has uh, a mental health practice and has been working on a different curriculum that uh, works with bringing some of those mindfulness strategies into the classroom. Um, mm. And and the first place that I learned about the Gratitude Journal was actually through his work and his research. Um, and, and this is a great reminder because I used to do that and I haven't recently, and I think it's time for me to go back. So thank you yeah, for that. There we go, Heather. Okay. Yeah. A little nudge. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm really good at talking all the time. So let me pass it over to Elon here. Well, well, I just wanted to ask Heather, what, what does, what does their research point to like what kinds of applications in the classroom? Um, I'm going to let Nick actually answer that because I know he's done a little bit more of that work uh, with Insiad in particular. Insiad Out and Amit Sud are partnering with us on a happy genius curriculum and uh, metacognition, self-reflection and thankfulness. In fact, mindfulness in general shows improvements in uh, uh, mental health uh, markers as well as academic performance. You can see increases in, in mathematics scores, reading scores. Mental health is a hard thing to get a lot of data on in general, uh, but things like uh, student behaviors being sent to the office, etc., goes down when you're practicing mindfulness, which includes, I believe, the practice is called loving kindness, where you, you journal and think about others and, and try to apply that uh, practice in your uh, daily life. And I should also note uh, uh, that for both of you, uh, Elon, certainly in, in just doing uh, brief research on you, I, I saw a number of times where you've tried things with no expectation of success, uh, and that led you to a, a great deal of success as well. 
So just that curiosity that you both have and a willingness to experiment from an outside perspective seems like it's foundational to where you are now. How, how do you foster it? How, how have, has that stayed with you over the years? Certainly it dies in many people. What do you recommend for students, for staff on keeping that going? Do you mind if I give this one a shot? Please, get in there. <laughs> um, well, I'll just say that something that has been, that I've found a lot of inspiration in and a lot of success in has actually come from uh, reaching out to teachers of mine and um, uh, and, and, and people who, who I have admired. I think very young, I found a great interest in my teachers, <laughs> which, you know, I, I, I don't know if, I don't know what the uh, helpful, the helpful point here for educators is, um, foster interest in yourselves and your students. But I, I loved my teachers growing up. And so I would stay after class and after school to talk to them. And I, I very specifically remember having a, a teacher in high school who once said, you know, when you leave, um, please come back because most students, you know, come say hi because most students don't. And I remember uh, that sticking out to me, uh, not only as, 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 as curious, but as a way to have, continue to have a relationship with people who I thought were really interesting and admired and, and could clearly learn from. So I made a point of starting to reach out uh, to teachers to to try to stay connected to those teachers in high schools and and then and then I you know when I was lucky enough to go to a, a, a great college and had great teachers I started reaching out to teachers with whom I had no academic relationship to I was in the music department and started arranging meetings with teachers who I wouldn't have encountered either way and 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 sort of interviewed them really for my own purposes and I just found an old computer with all of these uh, transcribed interviews, you know, and I think these teachers were a little bit confused about who I was and what I was doing and, <laughs> and why I was talking to them. But um, I found the interviews, I mean, they were supposedly about how different musicians practice was ostensibly the purpose of it, but we ended up getting into all sorts of things and I never did anything. I never released them or would occasionally show them to a friend if they, if we'd be having a discussion that felt relevant. But um, I say this to say that I was so excited by the conversations I was having and the people I was meeting and what I was learning. And, and eventually the connections I would have with those people, the relationships that continue in some way, that I just kept doing it um, and kept, I think that gave me a little bit of confidence in reaching out to people that I admired, who I maybe didn't know and, and, and since then have, have started relationships with a number of people speak sort of, though I was helped by some happenstance, some sort of odd situation with that. That wasn't really me, but out of the blue, I've I've reached out to, to some more well-known musicians and, and developed relationships with them. Um, just, I think, out of the, the inspiration that I found in, in the relationships that I developed with other mentors and other teacher figures, um, so I think that has been huge for me is just continuing to, 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 to reach out to people that I admire and, and, and f keeping in touch with them and following up with, which I think was a, a, a big thing that I learned from Beak. I have a theory, a tiny tangent. I've developed a bit of a theory of my own on, on Beak's success. Oh, and, <laughs> and it's based on three points, which I will give you very quickly. And they're all interrelated. So there's some crossover. I haven't, 
This has not been peer reviewed or anything, but <laughs> this is exciting. But one, it's that he's very organized, and this doesn't necessarily just have to do with how he approaches uh, the things that are considered work in his life. He remembers people, he remembers names, he remembers dates. Um, he remembers, you know, who he hasn't seen in a while, and 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 uh, uh, dates that he set, and and you know, promises he made to to, to get together. Uh, number two is that he then follows up on those things. Uh, and number three is that he is very fun to be around and very charming and just a lovely, good person. So wow. anyway, yes, it's all to say. Uh, I did not say, him say that. <clears throat> no, he didn't, but I've been thinking about it for a while now. Anyway, it's all to say that I think the curiosity that I have, that I, that I feel lucky to, 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 to feel and, and try to foster, I think comes from, having wonderful experiences, inspiring experiences with other people um, that I have, uh, you know, that, that I continue to seek out because I've had good experiences reaching out to other people. I can imagine if those experiences had been bad, maybe I wouldn't be so encouraged. And some of them have been um, unrewarding or unfruitful to say, and not in any tangible way, but, you know, sometimes I'm sure I don't need to tell all of you. I, that sometimes you meet somebody and it's not a, you, you, know, you don't have a connection <laughs> with them. But, um, but yeah, so I think that has really helped. And I think, you know, this may be sort of besides the point of what you're asking, but I've had on numerous occasions, especially with the teachers and then, and then later professors in college, people tell me that um, my curiosity and my interest in reaching out to people to whom I don't really have a connection to uh, had stood out in a particular way. And sort of, so, so that then I think encouraged me to continue. And then when I met Beak, I remember that something that he told me is, um, to, to do something similar, which is to reach out to people, uh, in order to develop a relationship with them, not with anything in particular in mind that you need from them. And I very clearly remember you saying something like, you know, that really stands out to people and they will be impressed and surprised. And I, I feel like I remember you telling me a story about you getting together with somebody and, you know, having breakfast and, and then at one point them saying, so what, what did you want to talk about? What did you need from me? And you were like, I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get to know you. I don't need anything. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I think that has, that has sort of snowballed and fostered. And so I was lucky to start doing that when I was a little bit younger and it has it kind of turned into a, a sustaining thing from the inspiration and, and fun and fascination that I've had getting to know other people and learning from them. And I'm hearing a, a couple of things, Elon, that I just want to make sure that we capture, which is one, you're really talking about following your curiosity, which reminds me actually of um, one of our podcasts we did earlier this season with, uh, with Dessa, and she talked a lot about the importance of following your curiosity and, um, and, and how that really helps her. In education, we talk about inter interdisciplinary, like how you can bridge lots of disciplines together. And, and that's really what fuels her and her ability to see outside of this typical box. Um, and the other thing that I heard, and I just want to actually give the teacher side to it, is, is you talked about reaching out to those mentors and reaching out to those teachers and how that can inspire you and, and, and propel you forward in different ideas. And sometimes you don't even know 
what might propel you forward or if anything will propel you forward. Um, but just so you know that that works the other way with, with educators as well. Um, uh, upcoming here next month, uh, we're doing a, an interview with Arij Makati, uh, who's a former student of mine, actually. We just happen to have kept in contact uh, and she's doing great work with diversity, specifically uh, with Muslim populations. And so we're bringing her in and, and interviewing her. Um, but there's, there's a, uh, I know Nick, for instance, has a former student of his that he has written with and, and has kept in contact with. So that, that goes multiple different directions as well. We appreciate that on the teacher side just as much as you might be appreciating it on the former student side. And, and you know, I'm not f formerly a teacher at this moment, but I have been before and, and have many friends, close friends who are. And, and, and I think if there's one, maybe the most insightful thing I might be able to contribute, if I could even go so far as to say that, is that I think it is so easy to think that the people we admire aren't, we have no way of getting to them. I mean, even, or even if we do have a way of getting to them, they're not interested in hearing from us. And I have in many cases found that that's not really the case, um, that people are interested in hearing from you and interested in sharing what they know about, especially about things they love with you and yeah. are interested in being in touch. Uh, yeah, whether it's a former student or a former teacher or, or so maybe even somebody who, you know, I'm not saying I could get to Beyonce. I don't think I could, but, but, you know, even sort of several, there are some people who I probably could get to who I would think who I would be starstruck by and probably aren't that hard to get to, to yeah. and, and, you know, uh, would probably be really generous with their time and their, and their, their ideas and their, their advice. Educators, you know, the, the key element in our success is when we can build and forge relationships with kids and they don't, you know, there's a certain intimacy in a classroom anyway. And some teachers are real masterful at it. Um, uh, I, I enjoy this. This is my learning opportunity to learn from uh, uh, people outside of our education world like yourself. And I got to tell you about my mind is kind of blown a little bit by listening to uh, Beak when you talk about mindfulness and how much it's informed you or, or Elon, how, uh, you know, you, you know, you've developed the relationships and probably learned from the people that inform you about how you want to be as a human and maybe how you don't want to be as a human. I know that's, I, I did that same kind of thing as I grew up and evolved as an educator or as a student and an educator was there were people that impressed me like, I don't want to be that type of person, you know, but it was, it's helpful to know that and, and to yeah. shape your personality because we, we are, in the business of helping kids develop and grow into, you know, uh, well, we hope successful human beings that that treat others with kindness and, and generosity, you know, uh, but that's kind of a skill they have to develop themselves too. some of it is just simply self awareness. Yeah. Oh. Our, yeah. Well, can, can I jump in and say one, one thing and then I'll stop talking for a while. But one thing that I that, that was the point of what I was trying to say earlier, which is that I think as, as educators, and I, want, I don't want to condescend to, 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 to educators, but I think it's probably, and I, as myself, uh, 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 a here and there educator, um, I think it's important to remember that we can also reach out to people we admire and maintain connections to try to continue to grow as teachers and as thinkers and, um, you know, using those skills to, to develop relationships with students, but also to, con yeah, with, with, with our teachers and our mentors and people that continue to inspire us to continue to grow as thinkers and teachers. Who we're doing right now? Right. So yeah. you can. Yeah, I guess. So, uh, 
that you don't become the the super cynical teacher that is just like clocking in and, and hates their life right it's like we all you know this goes to the whole self-care thing but like yeah you educators need that inspiration and to foster that curious mind the um inspirational mind uh in order to, like i've always known like i'm not so for me if i don't make music i've learned if I go and it's very possible when things get really busy that like really only 3% of my day is, is making music. A lot of it is just conference calls and Zooms and, you know, emails, I mean, more emails. If I go more than two weeks without creating something and it doesn't have to be like a full masterpiece, but even a, a riff on the guitar or a two minute drum loop, if I, if I don't take the time out, a few hours it would take to do that, I am noticeably crankier um, in more of a negative mindset, um, not thinking of others, thinking of myself, kind of lost in my woes. Um, and it really is noticeable. And you, I, I should bring in my three children and my wife to this conversation to, um, to back me up here. But at this point now, I'm, I'm looking at even my passion, which is creating music as a, as a thing that I have to put into my schedule in order to like create that curious playful mind to just make me a kinder human being because i don't like it when i'm cranky no one else likes it when i'm cranky and also the things that i then my output you know even the emails that i write aren't as good as they could be the phone calls i have aren't as good as they could be because i'm not centered and taking care of that so again just to, to elon's point that like it is it's a it's something we should all be doing for ourselves because when we fill ourselves up there's so much more to give to others. Um, and I think like what you were saying, Mike, you know, trying to foster this generosity and this kindness so, so often with, with younger people and, and people in general, they may not have been able to develop that skill because they haven't actually been shown those things or those things haven't been super apparent in their lives. And so for an educator, it's like, you gotta be, you gotta be so fully present and immersed in it to be able to, lead by example and show those things and and show maybe a new light on human emotion to be able to foster it within someone else so i think anyways i think we're all talking about the same thing i dig it one thing that i really like about what you're saying beak is is well, i like a lot of things you're saying to be honest but uh one thing that really particularly resonates with me and and i bring it back to the classroom too is is you're talking about that finding time within your your day to do the thing that refuels you. Like uh, Nick re remembers, I don't, I maybe isolated it a little bit from Mike. I don't know, but I had a really tough month, like four months ago. Lots of things were going on, and um, at that point, I'm I'm a poet, and so at that point, I realized I needed to find time in my in my everyday to make sure that I'm at least doing something related to poetry. And so I, I joined an activity called The Grind, which is uh, an online community where you have to write a, a poem a day. Um, and sometimes they're crap, but um, sometimes they're really good. And sometimes I get lost in the moment. But that has uh, really helped to root me. And it reminds me of, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book Burnout by the Nagasaki sisters. Uh, but in that particular book, she they both talk a lot about how you need to uh, propel yourself through the burnout cycle, and so you have to, if you're if you're in a stress cycle, you have to find a way to 
lean into it. And so that might be music for you, Beak. For me, that might be poetry. For some people, that might be running. But what is it that helps you to lean into the stress so that you can find the other side of it as to what a lot of us do, which is put up this like fight mentality where we try to avoid it. Um, and I think about our students in particular, I'm reminded of a couple of students of mine from a few years ago who were on this AP cycle. They were taking all these AP classes and they were doing so much focused on academics that they really weren't doing anything that was refueling them. Um, and I, I also think about the six, how we see these uh, students who are in music programs tend to do better in some of those advanced placement classes. And I, I suspect a lot of that is because that's an art form that, that helps a lot of students work through that stress cycle, whether they know they're doing it or not. So as an educator, I think, what do we do to one, teach students that the importance of moving through the stress, the stress cycle and also just embedding in their days, things that move them through the stress cycle, whether they know that that's what's happening or not. Um, and so I, I just, everything that you said uh, really resonates in the world of education. Uh, and I'd like to, it, it seems like we've drifted from the idea of building community, uh, uh, but I'd like to uh, uh, prove that we haven't briefly, uh, uh, which is, uh, Ilan, you, you said there were three pieces to success uh, uh, for Beak in particular, but probably for all of us, uh, uh, staying organized enough that others can join that organization, uh, uh, making sure there's follow through so people feel that there's purpose and outcomes and, and the, the uh, uh, tone and personality with which you approach things. And everything we talk about fit into those uh, pieces, uh, talking about uh, uh, being appreciative. Well, that's the tone with which you uh, are engaging with the community or uh, making sure that you refuel so you're not grumpy uh, as, as Beek was talking about. So all those pieces, uh, certainly vital or uh, just doing those cold calls to people you admire because that's how you build the community in the first place. If you don't ask, no one's gonna join you. So uh, it, it's interesting because that's, I think why we don't teach it. It seems simple, but right. being able to express it, I think is important. Even though, yes, I, I do think you did a great job of bringing it back to how we are actually still talking about community. But I do think that there's a real important part in the world of education, in the world of music, that you have to be open to outcome, right? You have to be aware of the fact that what brings you into a conversation or, or, or the lesson that you're creating for the class, sometimes there's a teachable moment or a conversation piece that has more value in that particular moment. And you have to be able to go on that tangent. And so... Yes, we are talking about community, but also the tangents that we went on are so valuable, not just to building community, but also um, to our own personal growth and, and feeding that curiosity like we were talking about before. Yeah. I think of, you know, these are big questions. How do you build community? That's, that's huge. That's going on right now in the Twin Cities in our music community, which has gone through a lot over the past couple of years. Um, and it, it feels like such a macro question that I, it, it feels like, when I try to think about it, I'm like banging my head against the wall because there's no, I just can't see past this wall. And so what I try to do, and I think what we've been talking about is actually the really micro level, the, the one human being element. What can I do just with the, 
the people that I are within a mile radius of me or, you know, the, like one person like Elon and how can we then grow that? It's like there is a video game. God, I don't know why I'm using this analogy. I don't play video games, but there's some video game where like you're a blob and you just are slowly rolling and you're picking up trash and you eventually become a planet because you're just rolling around and you're growing slowly. And I think that's what we're talking about. Like you're one teacher, you're one person and you've got a magnet that can grab this one other person in here and you can start to build something positive and then they can reach an arm out and grab it. And you're just going to, it's going to be like that rubber band ball. It's going to take forever, but it's going to be, it's always on an upward trajectory. And I think that's important to remember because it's really easy to get lost and, and kind of wallow in the, the bigness of it all. So trying to, you know, uh, narrow the scope a little always helps me. A, a wonderful piece of advice that somebody that this uh, this composer and singer named Gabriel Kahane passed on to me once. Um, I was I was talking to him about being very nervous about a piece of music I needed to write being good. And he said, "You know, I have things that I did ten years ago that I think are the best I've ever done, and things that I think that I did two years ago that I am embarrassed to listen to on my own." which is to say that no matter what you do, I bet in five years, you're gonna look back on it and think it's very young and immature. Uh, and, and instead of focusing on whether something is good, I mean, exactly like you're saying, Heather, exactly like you said, Beak, I would, the phrase that he used that stuck with me was, I would focus on having a rich process of creation. If you, fo I mean, it's exactly what Beak is saying. If you focus on the, 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 the details and the process of creating and looking at things, all the different ways that you can. And, 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 and like Heather is saying, dig into the, the, be willing to dig into the directions that things are going, then you're going to be discerning and you're going to use what you have to come up with the best thing you can. And whether or not it's good is going to be besides the point because you will have done what you could do because you focused on having this rich process. That was so good. I, I wrote it down. I don't know if you can see it, but it's there. There it is. Hey, so, you're going to all credit to Gabriel Cahane. <laughs> I wrote that down too. But uh, uh, so I'm reminded of a Dessa track uh, that is, uh, I don't remember which of her albums on, but it's, it's, uh, the, it's shrimp and she takes all this stuff and she puts it in this little tiny track, which is what we do with the in blink of three eyes. Right. So we try to, we try to take, um, we try to take this idea and we try to just really tiny track it so i'm gonna i'm gonna start us off with the first question and we can go back and forth so like uh, beak you might answer then elon or vice versa right so what podcast book show or whatnot has been influencing your thinking lately elon you want to start sure uh this is one particular interview but it was uh the the journalist ezra klein did an interview with J an anthropologist named James Sussman. I just happened to read the name of the, the episode or article is why do we work so, so damn much? And basically, all he's saying is that, you know, we live in a culture that has created a, a that that creates wants in us. And so the more we get, the more we want is James Sussman's theory of the case. And it just uh, made me think about the possibility that so many of the things that I take, so many more of the things that I take for granted are just created culturally and that we can shape those things. It was very, it's, it's been, uh, it was very interesting to listen to. I love it. And I'm, I'm reading um, When Things Fall Apart by Pema Chodron. 
And I've never, I've like read all of her, I've had her little books of like quotes and all that stuff. I've never just dove into a full book and it is, I'm halfway through and it is like, it's been pretty life affirming. Um, and then also for the sense of play, I am watching this really dumb, hilarious show um, called People Just Do Nothing, uh, which is a, like basically essentially think of the spinal tap concept of like a fake documentary on musicians, except this is like the UK grime and garage scene, garage scene, <laughs> the, like washed up DJs and rappers that are trying to start a pirate radio station. And it is like, I, my stomach hurts from laughing so much. I will ask the second question in our, our trilogy of questions. Uh, we really value innovation. What's one innovation that you've seen recently or would really like to see? I struggle with this one. I, like, you know, um, I want to, what's the, it's not time travel, but I want to be like, I hit a button and I'm in um, Madrid right now. What's that? Teleportation? Yeah, teleportation. This is a total cop-out answer. Elon, do you have anything better? <laughs> <laughs> Um, sure. I, I, uh, I have appreciated the ability, uh, not, not a particularly profound answer either, but, um, I'd like to continue to see the way in which, uh, video or, or remote conferencing, video conferencing calls can work. I mean, I, what a wonderful opportunity to be able to do this. I have a, an orientation week I'm supposed to be at in August, um, which I'm not going to be at for something. But through video conferencing, I'm able to, 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 to sort, of, sort of teleport and be in two places at once. And, and, and I would love to go back to so many of the in-person activities I used to do before in person, but I would like to continue to see the ways in which we can use video technology to um, allow us to be in two places at once when it is something that would work in that way. And I will uh, piggyback off that and say uh, one thing, it is actually not creation of something, but it is the death of something. I would like voicemail to be outlawed. I think it's <laughs> a purpose. You just email or text it, but there's no more voicemail. It just, it's too, it stresses me out. <laughs> okay, I'll just jump in. Listeners inspired by today's conversation may want to take action on their learning. What might that first action be? I'll, I'll go through my real quick. Okay, get that gratitude app. Start every night or every morning writing down the first three things that come to your mind that you're grateful for. And I would highly recommend um the headspace app if you've never meditated yeah it's what good. it's and it is like the simplest it's 10 minutes a day it's whatever you want it to be it's guided it takes away a lot of the stigmas of meditation it takes away um it just it was the first time i could really see clearly and it has been an incredible help in my life so those are my two like start right now and do those two things how about you elon i would say reach out to someone you admire you know shoot an email asking if you could get together with them and uh, buy them you know buy them a coffee if you can or if they just be willing to hang out for an hour and, and you could talk pick their brains and uh, not worry about whether you get a response but uh maybe maybe you might so reach out to somebody you admire to see if you might get together with them so on that note uh elon and beak uh, next time you guys are down in rochester uh, let's hang out. Let's get some coffee. Oh my God. Let's go. Let's All right. Let's get Absolutely. Guys, come on. Bye, <laughs> guys. Thank you three so much. This was so Thank great. You. It was wonderful. Thank you so much to Laserbeak and Elon for joining us today. It was a pleasure. 
Thank you to Michael Brumfield, our Doriota student, for editing our podcast today. Thank you to Nick Truxel, Heather Light, and Michael Carolyn for hosting, and Michael Terrell for our theme music. As always, thank you to Dover Iota for supporting our production. We look forward to having you next time for conversations with a trio of exceptional human beings, Chris Saldana, Jim Thompson, and Tyler Hawk. We look forward to seeing you then on Third Eye.